Happy New Year, guys. We're, uh, I'm doing one more topical, and then we're going back to Luke. Um, I have it actually planned out for, we finished the Gospel of Luke uh, at the end of the year and start a book fresh, 2024, but one more topical, and it's 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10 to 13 this morning. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 to 13. And the title is A Renewed Reverence, A Renewed Reverence. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 to 13. And as Christ followers, there are many new goals we could set for this new year, right? And many of you probably have, I don't know. But as I was praying about what to encourage us in this week, I kept thinking of the root and source of lukewarm faith, complacent faith, and disobedience towards God. And I believe the Lord impressed upon my heart that it's time to get serious about the things of God. Not to say you're not serious already, but I mean really revere, stand in awe, and complete amazement at who God is. This year should be a year where we rededicate ourselves to Jesus and truly have an enact a renewed reverence for the things of God. And I'm not, I'm not talking about becoming more stoic in spiritual things. I'm, I'm talking about just fully yielding to his will. I'm talking about a total surrender to God because he's sovereign. I'm talking about steps of faith, totally confident in Christ. Have you ever had to get in super cold water like the pool or the ocean? You know, some people, there's a couple different ways people do it. Some people do it very slowly. And it's almost like they're slowly being tortured. They're like, ah, whoo, ah, you know, they're very slow. And there were certain parts when you go under, you're like, I can't do it. You know, other people are just like, I'm jumping in. Boom, pain's gone quickly, right? There's two different ways to get into cold water. How many just jump in and fully get the pain over with? Well, I want to make 2023 a year where we go all in for the things of God because he's in control. As we're going through the Old Testament, we've been through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, now we're in Numbers, and we're going to finish the Pentateuch this year, but what we see is God is in control. He's in control of it all. This world is an absolute mess. If if you're a realist, this, this world is a mess. There's a financial insecurity, there's rampant immorality, there's chaos, there's confusion, there's debt, on and on. But remember, Jesus lived in a messy world as well. There was an oppressive government, conniving religious leaders, widows mistreated, and much more. And so the world has been a mess since sin existed. But, but here's the miraculous fact, that God has a plan for us in this messy world. He has a plan for you. He wants his will worked out through your life. When we take God's plan for us seriously, we're going to be less likely to be hesitant in what God leads us to do. When we have a healthy reverence for God, we, we won't be a slothful saint, you know, just doing the minimum and just hoping others will be light so we don't have to. No, when we have a healthy reverence for God, We'll be edge of, this, edge of our seat Christians. Like, you know, you're watching a movie, you're doing something, I don't know, play a video game, whatever you do that you're interested in, you're on the edge of your seat going, waiting, just in anticipation for what's going to happen, expectant and eager to see God's plan for us come to pass. So as a preface, what we're looking at in these, in these verses, King David, he wanted to build a house for God. You know, it was a great idea, but it wasn't David's calling to build that house. David had too much blood on his hands, the scripture says, to build it. God said no to David's plan. So, in a sense, rejection. No, I don't want you to do that. You know, 
yes, you know, answer to prayer, yes, it's a great answer. Wait is like, uh, that's, no is kind of like, what? <laughs> when God says no, it's like, Lord. So David cried. He ran away, right? No, he didn't do that. David actually set out to collect the money and material so his son actually could, uh, would, be, would succeed him. He could actually build a house for God. His son would do that. David set out for someone else's success, if you will. Now, we can get a lot done for the Lord if we don't care who's getting the credit, right? Someone said that at some point in time. I don't know. But we can't. All credit and praise should go to him. David could have been, oh, forget it. No, I'm going to do it anyway, Lord. Or, or again, he could have been bitter about it. But instead, he got it all set for his son to succeed him and build the house for God. David was overwhelmed, actually, when the sacrificial gifts started pouring in. And this generosity, it prompted David to prayer this prayer that we're looking at this morning in public, which connects to what we're talking about today. God's sovereign. He wants to use his children in this chaotic world. And what we're going to see in these verses today is that David reminds us that God is in control. Yes, the world is a mess because of sin, but God's will is still perfect. See, as we are in a new year, one thing that will get us, us established and really grounded in the faith is a renewed reverence. You know, cultural Christianity, cultural Christianity has to go. Lukewarm faith needs to just turn hot. Going through the religious motions is just not a good thing. It's time to take God's will and God's word in this world seriously. Because when a Christ follower fears God, they can see the miraculous even in the mundane. Even going through, even just all the natural, all the stuff, all the external that you see going throughout the day, you can see the miraculous because you're thinking on the things of the Lord, because you're praying, because you're seeking Him, because you're thinking about the scripture you read that morning. You can see the miraculous even when things seem mundane. I like what Oswald Chambers said. He said, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you you fear everything else. (laughs) I love that. David accepted the answer no from God, and instead of crying and whining about it like a little baby, he actually prepared for his son to build. And that's who God called to do this work. God knows best every day, all the time. He knows best. He's in control. Sin has plagued this world and, you know, and people, but even still, as we get serious about our Savior, he will equip us for the work he has for us. And sometimes he'll say no. Sometimes it's a desire, and it's like, no, that's my own desire. That's my selfish desire. That's not yours, Lord. So, you know, revert my heart, speak to my heart, settle my heart on those things. And if you want me to prepare someone else to do this task that I wanted to do, that's fine. As long as your will is being done, we're we're in this kingdom-building thing together. So reverence leads to running your race in the divine lane that God has for you. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into these verses this morning. Well, again, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the ways in which you work, and we thank you that you're in control. Even sometimes, as we look around, it seems chaotic, Lord, but, and the world is chaotic because sin has corrupted it completely. Lord, the God of this world is, him and his workers are trying to pull people away from the faith and doubt and be skeptical and make excuses and all these things, Lord, but you're still in control, Lord, of our lives, God, and We just want to surrender fully, yield completely to what you have for us this year. And we just pray that you'd use this scripture to speak to our hearts, God, and that we would get started on the right foot, Lord, just wanting to fulfill and be in the middle of the mission that you have for us. So we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these verses. In Jesus' name, amen. So 
verses 10 to 13 says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your, glor- your glorious name. So as the people gave towards this divine project that David's son, Solomon, would achieve in the future, David rejoiced and he praised God. Now, David wasn't praising God for the resources himself. He was actually praising God because the hearts of the people were actually interested in the Lord and his house. I love seeing my girls excited to go to church and excited to be a part of what God is doing, excited to see their friends in the Lord and just coming together. I love that. It's exciting. David blesses God because the people were all in to see God's divine uh, divine plan come to pass. You know, the most influential people are the ones who put, all, who put their all into what they love. You know, Henry Ford, he went bankrupt twice, and he lost all of his investors' money both times. Yet the third time, he launched Ford Company, and five years later, they produced the Model T. You might have heard of it. <laughs> and they also invented the assembly line. Henry Ford didn't let rejection stop him. He went all in with his business. The people went all in for the vision David had, and Solomon would build God a house. And again, as, as, as a minister, as a servant, you know, as, as a pastor, one of the greatest joys I have is seeing God's people expectant and excited to see the Lord work and move and do great things. You know, last Wednesday night was a, a night of reflection at the church, and, uh, and it was so encouraging to hear what God was doing. People talked about how they spoke about what God was doing in their lives, the way they worked, the struggles they had, but yet they trusted God. They learned a bunch of stuff through it all. It was amazing to see. It was encouraging. It was uplifting. Even through trials, God is doing a work. And, you know, fearing the Lord, it means rejoicing when God's plans come to pass. Being serious about the Lord is is what mature Christians do, right? We're serious. We're not just flippant like, oh, yeah, that Christian thing, the, you know, the man upstairs. You know, there's a certain reverence we should have, a seriousness for the things of the Lord, for God himself. God didn't create you to just give up and live in defeat because of a, hand, you know, a handful of struggles, and I'm not discounting struggles. Trust me, we all go through it. But let God's sovereignty bring security to your heart no matter what circumstances you face. You know, in a world full of of sad faces, you know, and depression, anxiety, all this stuff, shine the light of Christ by, by praising him for what he's doing. Don't forget to praise God because he is working. He is moving. Even if it seems stagnant, even if it seems stale, even if it seems like we're in the desert wandering around in the wilderness like the children of Israel, he's still leading and moving and working. When we have a healthy reverence for the Lord, our countenance will only fall so far. You know, when we seriously believe our God is in control, worry will wash away. Uh, like fear will, will fall. Insecurity will be, can be just incinerated. You don't have to, like, we'll be confident in Him because He's got it under control. That's trusting God. That's what it means. You know, b- before I, I drove um, 
a NASCAR. Like this lady at our last church paid for about 10 of us to drive a real NASCAR and a real NASCAR track and everything. And we went through a whole class, had to go through a whole safety thing. But before we drove it ourselves, uh, there, there was a pro that drove us first. Right, and he they went they went over 200 miles an hour, right? And so they have your helmet. I was in the passenger seat. They had the helmet, and there was like a chain on it. They lock you to there, so you can't like move your head at all. And man, this guy was going 200. We were passing people, and it was just like, and and I don't know if you know this, but the, the NASCAR tracks are like this. It's not like you're straight. You're like this sideways. And so we were going around, and I was so fast. And I could have been freaked out and been like, get me out of this car, but I knew this guy was a pro. I knew this guy knew what he was doing, he knew how to drive, and he, was, he had it under control. Even though everything was shaking, even though my head was like going like this and the chain was holding my head so I didn't get whiplash, he knew what he was doing. And so I felt at ease even in this crazy, crazy circumstance when I, when I was in that car. And when I started driving, that was really scary. But then after a few laps, it's just instinctual, you just like, you're just like almost like a robot doing, going through the motions. But, but man, I knew this guy had it under control. I didn't have to worry. And that's kind of how we should view God. Like, man, this is a crazy, chaotic world. There's some horrible stuff here. Like, I, one of my, you've got resolutions or goals, whatever you want, but I, I, have to get, uh, I have to look at the news less. I'll find out what's going on in the world briefly, but I can't dwell on there because I'll instantly get discouraged. <laughs> I mean, this world is a mess. It is a mess, man. It is crazy. It's chaotic. But, but when you let God lead, even despite, in spite of all the chaos and everything, we're going to be okay. He's in control. If he's leading and we're following, we're going to be okay. <laughs> David could have sulked. You know, he could have said, oh, I'm a victim. He could, he could have just been down and defeated the rest of his life, like making, it, you know, making excuses and just whining and being sad and everything. And all those immature things, you know, that, that, that people can get caught in. But he continued on with the Lord. And he got his son set up to fulfill God's will. He could have been bitter and said, no, my son, why my son? It should be me. He could have argued with God. He could have wrestled with God, but he didn't. He just wanted to see God's will fulfilled. And I pray this new year that we would recognize that, that God is in control and that we would focus on what he has done and is doing instead of getting all caught up in, in the chaos of life. And distractions can easily deter us from truly and consistently seeking the Lord. You know, distractions can lead to disaster. Years ago, I had a, a green Toyota Corolla, and uh, I was actually texting a guy from church. I know you might, some of you might have known him, Mike Boone. He, he had visited a few years ago. But he said something funny. I was laughing. Ah. <laughs> you know, I, was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to text this. And I was like laughing at myself. So he's going to laugh at this. And as I was looking down, I was like, boom. And then I, I rear-ended a car because I was distracted. Because I was looking down at something I should have been focusing on. Instead of looking up, focusing on the road. And, and I hit it. And that car was totaled. And it was, it, was, it was horrible. But it was so dumb. But we need to pay attention to the things of God. Pay attention to the spiritual. Don't get distracted from consistently seeking God. I think one of the biggest uh, reasons people backslide and mess up and make bad decisions is because they stop seeking the Lord on a consistent basis. It's easy to be a Christian, but to be a consistent Christian, that's more difficult. That takes, that, that takes a heart that's like, I'm purposing in my heart to follow God every day. I'm purposing in my heart to seek Him on a consistent basis, you know? Because if we're not consistent, if we're not on guard, we're going to be swept away by this 
chaotic and crazy world. And so, yes, we have, we have a lot to deal with, right? Life is, is it can be tough, you know, but God's tougher. <laughs> God's stronger. So surrender and, and let him fight your battles. He's the one that's leading. He's the one that's going to clear the way so that we can walk down. You know, it's kind of like the, is it the machete where that, that chops down all the, like, the, the greenery or whatever so you can lead it? He, like, he's leading the way. We're just following him. Whatever speed he's going, that's where he's going. If he stops to take a break, then we're, we're waiting on the Lord. And we're, we're camping out, you know, having a bite to eat. And then, okay, he's starting to go again. Let's go. Like, just to be, my, my old pastor used to always say, be in lockstep with the Lord. And it's like, that's what it's about. But we have to stop limiting God and acting like he can't get through, like he can't get you through. He has. In the midst of the storm, it seems like there's no light anytime soon coming. But he's going to get you through. You're still here. You're still breathing. You're given another day. He's going to get you through. I would just say, don't dismiss the victories. Instead, praise God and thank him through it all. In verse 11, it's, it's actually the first time in the Bible that God is addressed directly as a father over his people. And, and you know, some believe Jesus had this prayer of David in verse 11 in mind when Jesus gave the model prayer in Ma- uh, Matthew 6. There are a lot of similarities. And just listen to these words David uses to describe God. And I also want to, I think they're going to be on the screen, but I also want the Greek translation just to give you a bigger picture of what these words are. These are the words David used to describe God. And I think this shows David was reverent, you know. Now, of course, we know David totally messed up royally because he wasn't with his men and he sat idle. And idleness breeds sin oftentimes, right? He didn't have accountability. And so he totally messed up. Psalm 51, if you want to talk about and learn about repentance, like deep, you know, real, raw repentance, Psalm 51, David repented of that. But when he was seeking God, when he was all in, when he was a man after God's own heart, here's what he said. He used the word greatness. Greatness. God is great. You know, then that, the translation is mighty acts, right? He's done some mighty acts in your life. And in your, if you're in the midst of a storm right now, it may be hard to remember. But to sit there and pause and ponder and go, yeah, he's done so much. He has worked. He has done mighty acts in my life. Greatness means mighty acts. Power, that means God's strength. I mean, how, how, much, how many of us are like, I have nothing. I am at my end. I have no strength. I need God's strength or I am not going to get through today. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God's strength, his power is there for us. Glory, this means splendor, it means beauty, it means honor. You know, glory, we see God as like, oh God, you are bigger than life. Like, you created life. Glory and victory. He uses the word victory, which means enduring of life. And sometimes, you know, we're praising God, and we, we, we were so tired we can't even hold up our hands, but yet in our heart we're still going to praise God. Because no matter what, I'm focusing on you, Lord. Because he will and has had the victory. And majesty. Majesty in the Greek means, uh, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, means grandeur. It means excellency. His majesty. So we see David was amazed at God's sovereignty, at God's power, at, at who God is. And may we seriously praise God, recognizing his attributes, because this is who God is. And I'm just, you don't have to write these down because I'm the same kind of fast, but let me just give you some of God's attributes, biblically. God is infinite, right? Meaning he's self-existing. He is infinite. 
He's immutable. He never changes. He's not going to be nice to you one day and mean to you another. He's not like a father who goes off the handle or a deadbeat dad who has an anger problem and, and is abusive right now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's good. <laughs> he's immutable. He's self-sufficient. He has no needs. He doesn't need you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't need me. But yet, he wants a relationship with us. He's, his omni-attributes are amazing. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omniscient, he's all-knowing. Omnipresent, he's always everywhere. Again, these are mind-blowing things, but he's God and you're not. We're not, right? And so we should be. Our, our minds should be blown. God is full of wisdom. He's the fountainhead of wisdom. If we don't know what to do, we can ask 10 people. We'll probably get 10 different responses. Okay, which one should I eat, meeny, miny, miny? Like, what do I do? Ask God. Lord, I need your counsel. I don't know what to do. I have three decisions. I could do this, this, or this. I could choose going here, going there, or going there. I could choose, I have two, two job options. What, what do you want me to do? And he will give you that wisdom that you need to take another step of faith. God's also faithful, he's unchanged, which means he's unchangingly true. Well, as we're going through the Old Testament on midweek, I just, I just see the faithfulness of God through the whole thing. It's amazing. He's faithful. Even when you're faithless, he's faithful. God is good, mean, meaning he's unchangingly kind. God is just. He's perfect in all that he does. God is merciful. He's gracious. He's loving. There's a lot of attributes, right? God is holy. He's set apart. God is glorious. David recognizes it's all from the Lord, and he's, he's a bit overwhelmed. You can be overwhelmed in a good way. I am just overwhelmed. This is, wow. Looking at who God is should cause a healthy awe of him. And so, again, verse 12, it says, Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. David was, was materially rich, right? He was honored as king. He had status. He had riches. He had power. But he recognizes that riches and honor actually come from the Lord. They don't come from all the stuff that he had or the status that he had. Riches and honor and power, it all comes from the Lord. And I love what he says, you reign over all. You reign over all. And this is a perspective of one who truly views God as in control of their lives. So you asking ourselves, I think there's a healthy thing, what areas have I taken control from God? What areas am I reigning rather than the Lord reigning? What areas do I need to surrender to him because I'm trying to take control of it all? I need to give those over to him. That's one of the hardest things to do. Sometimes we're like 90%, he has control. But this 10%, I'm keeping, I'm keeping this 10% of power. Like this, I, but you will always be better off to give God complete control. These areas need to be surrendered fully to him. So we can say, Lord, you reign over all. You reign over my family. You reign over my relationship with you. You reign over my job. You reign over my finances. You, finances. you reign over it all. What areas need to be surrendered fully to him that we're kind of like half holding on to? Because when you, you attempt to take control, that's when things begin to fall apart. But when you let God take control, he will hold it all together. It won't be smooth. It'll probably be very messy, probably very difficult. But giving God control is always the right thing to do. Looking at the nature and attributes of God, I'm happy to let him lead me because there's no reason for me to question his will because he wants the best for me. He wants the best for you. 
And the best is being centered in God's plan. You know, at the, at the end of every year, I ask God if he wants me to continue to pastor this church. And the last two, two months of 2022 were, were pretty difficult, certain things, you know, and I wanted to make sure, Lord, you want me to keep doing this? If you say no, I will not anymore. <laughs> like, whatever you want. Like, it's up to you. This is not my church. I, I show up here, and I do ministry and all that, and I pastor and counsel and all that. You know, I teach the Word. I love it, but I don't own this. This is not mine. This is what God put together, this family here. So I'm like, Lord, do you want me to keep doing this for another year? Not because I don't want to do this. I love it, but I just want to stay in the center of God's will for me, whatever that looks like. And so that was David's heart. He just wanted to stay in the center of God's will. He's like, okay, I don't get to build the house, okay, but I'm going to set up my son to build the house. So what happens? In verse 13, it says, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Being grateful truly is a countenance booster. You know, like when you realize what God is doing in your life and when others are with you in furthering God's kingdom, we should ecstatically praise and thank God. I love what uh, Spurgeon said. He said, it's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. I love that, how much we enjoy. God's already given us so much. So instead of just wanting more and more, just being blessed by what God already has given us. And if he, he fulfills our needs and then also gives more of, of our wants, well, then we praise him even more. Yeah, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said, it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich only with gratitude. And there's so much to be thankful for. And if we look at the world, we're going to get into a cycle of just bitterness and whining and unhappiness. And that's why we don't look at the world. We focus on things above so we can have an effect in this world, so we can make a dent for eternity in this, on this earth. There are many moments when I look at my, my wife and daughters or my church, I, I just feel overwhelmingly grateful. And it's like I'm capturing that moment. <laughs> you know, it might only be 10 seconds, but I'm, I'm realizing the magnitude of my blessings. And it's just like, it's almost like time slows down, and I'm like, just like I'm, I'm, I'm capturing this right now. This is amazing. Because money can't buy those sweet, meaningful moments. G.K. Uh, Chesterton said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. So it's like, are we taking things for granted or gratitude? We have a roof over our head. Are we taking that for granted or are we grateful for the Lord providing? We have food on the table. Are we taking that for granted? Or are we actually having gratitude? Thank you, Lord. You know, and so having that heart of thankfulness, having that heart of gratitude is so incredibly important, I think, in this life. Because if not, again, we're just going to get bitter and be downers all the time. No one's going to want to hang out with us because we're like, oh, there's that depressed Christian who's never happy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we should shine as lights. Not be like, I don't have that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. We should shine as lights. Be excited about the things of God. Know that he's working. Not take for granted, but have gratitude. So much gratitude. He's done so much in our lives as we look back. And you might have had the most difficult 2022 of most difficult year of your life. I don't know. But even still, you're still here. God's given you breath. He's still with you. He's still leading you. He's still doing a work. You might not see it, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. 